Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray. And make no mistake, this is your source for all things black and gold. Football just wouldn't be football without Berwick Rangers. Stand by for this edition of the Let It BRFC podcast. Welcome to the Let It BRFC podcast. Uh, a change in co-host today. I'm joined today by Dave Buglis, Burt Rangers Director. How are you, Dave? I'm fine, Adam. Thank you very much. I'm, uh, hopefully, I'm going to give you a better answer than Kevin Haynes normally does every week when you ask him the same question. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm happy today. My wife's outside painting the deck in. I'm having some time off, so I'm delighted, yeah. Pretty chilled afternoon without donating a ticket. Currently, yeah. At <laughs> moment, it's been quite intense the last few weekends when we've done it. Um, and obviously, we had the, the Zoom yesterday with the club. Um, with the fans and that, but yeah, no, so just try to take a bit of time back today and relax. Uh, and we're also joined by Stephen Ingram, who's Burt Rangers Juniors now, chairman and coach. The name has changed, hasn't it? Uh, y- yes and no. It's The name will be going back on our kit. We've always been Burt Rangers Juniors, so our bank accounts say that, etc. Uh-huh. Uh, but the club would like us to put the Rangers, obviously, back into the badge and have closer ties, so that's what we're doing, and we're really happy to do that as well. So. Yeah. Excellent. So, well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining. How are you doing in general? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, you know, I've been through a difficult time lately, but my work has been non-stop. So I work on a farm, so uh, my work hasn't changed. We've been in every day and it's been no different for me. So life is normal. Just the football's been a problem. Yeah. Are you been keeping in touch with the, the coaches and, and some of the players as well, have you? Yeah, we've had a few meetings and uh, on the Zoom with the coaches, uh, committee members and... Uh, my age group as well with the coaching have been setting them little challenges and skills to learn uh, they've been downloading an app onto their phone so they've been out there in runs and bike rides and uh, they're just itching to be back you know they're sick of it themselves now <laughs> Great and we've also got Robert Hill who's um, Burt Rangers Juniors committee member and coach how's it going Robert? Yeah fine thank you thanks for having me on Good you were talking before you've been on a bike ride today? Yes, uh, so out and about getting some fresh air this morning, uh, burning off the calories from uh, the beers last night, I think, so. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a few? Uh, one or two, one or two, just in the garden, socially distanced from the neighbours, so. <laughs> it got quite nice yesterday, didn't it? It was horrible in the morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. then. Yeah, no, it was, it was nice, it was kind of windy, but yeah, it got, it got kind of nice as the, as the day went on. So we'll start with Dave, you mentioned before we had an um, end of season board update over the weekend. How do you feel that went? Um, I think it went better than, I think we expected it to go well, but when you look at the social media stuff um, this morning, because uh, obviously Dale's put it out today, the video, the YouTube recording, and then you get messages direct from people that, you know, I don't really know John Bainbridge or Andy Thorpe, who sent me a message this morning, or, you know, Elaine Mallory. It's really lovely getting kind of messages sent to you direct on that. So, yeah, it went well. Um, I think it was useful that we kept the slides that we had in January. Um, and we were able to go back over those first and foremost and kind of look at you know, what we'd hope to do and where we kind of hope to get to. So um, I think it was, it was good in that um, we're all getting more comfortable with technology. Um, you know, the ability to kind of run a Zoom session and um, you know, get people together pretty quickly without having to physically get to um, you know, Shieldfield Park and that also makes a difference as well. But I think, 
I think everybody enjoyed it. I think the questions we got in advance were great. Um, I think the directors enjoyed it as well. Um, and you know, I think on the day we got some uh, you know other questions which we answered. It was great actually. Um, at the very end of the video, if you've seen it, or I know you were on it, Stephen. Um, the lad from the official Scottish Lowland. I didn't realise he was on, and as soon as I heard his voice, you know, when you hear a voice on the radio, you recognise him. Yeah, yeah, click. It's like you know, your ears prick up and that. So it was really good that actually the league in general had took a bit of interest and obviously had registered to come along. So yeah, we were delighted. Um, it just, I think that now marks officially the end of the first chapter for us in terms of coming back and trying to structure a recovery and you know, hopefully try and take the club forward where we think it should be. So very pleased. I think because his question was relating to what year group does the juniors go up to. Um, yeah. So Stephen, you might be able to answer that. Yeah, well, so uh, we're, all, we're up to under-16s this year. Uh, we can go further in the Newcastle leagues. You can go all the way up to 21s, I think. But we'll find it difficult just because when the kids get to that sort of age, you're looking at guys going away to colleges. You know, we're not a big area at Berwick, so it is difficult to go beyond that and keep them playing on a Sunday as well. Because sometimes when kids get to that age, they sneak out on a Saturday night and getting them out of their beds on a Sunday can be a little bit of a problem. So generally, they go off to adults football then. So that's usually under 16s, you know? Right, yeah. And yeah. so in terms of pathways, that's something that that we'll be looking at sort of bridging that gap from juniors at 16s to, to sort of first team, Dave? Yeah, yeah I mean, all of us who live in the town, myself, Stephen and Robert, you know, we know that there's not really been a great number of local kids who've kind of made it all the way through. I think sometimes it does cause us a difficulty with the geography, um, you know, trying to, as Stephen alluded to, get guys out of a bed on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, you know, after a long week at work and getting them to go play, um, you know, further away. Because, you know, for every every away game, it's ultimately, it's whether you go to Edinburgh, if you play in the Scottish Leagues or Newcastle and the English Leagues, it's sort of 55, 60 minutes. So it can be tricky. <coughs> on top of the time, it's also costly. Um, you know, so transport costs, if you want to start using buses and stuff like that, are also, you know, um, you know not not great. So, yes, we definitely do want to put the pathway in place. Um, there are enough really good, well-run amateur clubs in the town that I'm sure Stephen and Robert just want the kids to keep playing when they finish, maybe at some stage at Better Rangers Juniors. But, you know, under 16 at the moment, why wouldn't we have an ambition maybe to go a little bit further and a little bit older? And, and that's something that we've got to work on with the guys at the juniors just now to kind of help. I mean, obviously, we have got the Colts at the moment, which historically was part of. Um, you know, I guess the juniors, a lot of the kids from that team have came out of, but we just need to look at it. Um, you know, it's interesting because mo most kids, and I'll tell you a story later on, but most kids that, you know, play football won't progress. They won't make it. But at the same time, I'm sure all of us would want them to continue just playing for fun and enjoying themselves. You know, so there are opportunities there. I mean, I think one story I heard last Saturday, and the guys probably heard it as well, was with Rami. Peter Ramage wasn't the best player in his team. Uh, I didn't realise he played with James Jury and all that lot. He's, is he honest? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, younger. yeah, Rami was pretty honest and said he wasn't the best player in the team. Um, you know, he just happened to have a good game the day that the coaches, the scouts came and watched them and he got taken away. So, there definitely are boys and, uh, and hopefully in the future girls in the town that can go on and have a successful career. So, we just need to make sure we've got the facilities for them and the opportunities. You and I spoke about some of your football memories from what well, we spoke about them earlier this week. Sorry, um, do you want to talk through some of them now? Yeah, I, like 
It's a funny thing, right? Berwick's a really odd place, right? Um, I think people are ple- can be pleased for you, Curly, and sometimes can be, you know, who do they think they are type thing. <laughs> I-, I was never a good football player. Um, I would probably be on the, fo- on the team sheet most weeks first with people like Colin Moore and Billy Young and them because I tried hard and I worked hard at training and I would give 100%. Uh, uncompromising defender, uh, not a particularly skillful one. Um, so I probably realised very early on that my business skills were probably more suited to helping run clubs, whether it be managing a team, coaching a team, or developing them. And um, I started my coach education while I was still living in the town um, in the borders with Dougie Anderson, who, you know, Dougie's, Dougie's always there for me if I ever need to speak to him. He's obviously been a coach at a high level as well. And I worked my way through to where I'm at now in terms of the UFAB, but along the way, I've probably done every job possible in football that um, constitutes a little bit of learning. So I remember writing to Jim Fleeton in 2007 and basically slaughtering the SFA's coach education program, for which was very brave, for volunteers like all of us. Because whenever you get to something like UFAB, you have to give up some of your holidays on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to go to Largs. And when you've got a young family and you try to tell your wife you've just lost six days with a holiday to go on a coaching course, it doesn't really go down well. So Jim asked me to come in and help him out, um, look at the pro license just as it was about to start. And he asked if there was a different way to kind of deliver that. Um, and I remember getting invited down after helping him design the course to Largs on a Saturday. Um, the course was starting on the Sunday. And he asked if I wanted to come out for dinner with him. Um, so I went out for dinner with Jim and two other guys turned up. And little did I know the two people that were turning up. One of them was AVB, Andres Fias Boas, who was... Uh, <laughs> He was scout at Chelsea at the time from Reno, so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm so out of my depth, it's incredible. <laughs> and then the next guy to walk into the hall was Lars Lagerbach, who was a Sweden manager, and I'm thinking, this is just unreal. But what was really interesting about sitting next to them was that they were really just nice guys. I mean, AVB was not a football player, never was a football player. You could see that in the fiver sides that we played on the Sunday. Um, you know, with guys like Hughes and McCoist and Owen Collin, them, Lars, he, he couldn't kick a ball to save himself. But then Lars Lagerbach, um, he was really interested in what I did for a living. So I'm in HR and, you know, we talk about employees being the most important asset in the organisation. So Lars was really interested in what I did for a living in terms of how he talked about, you know, when he was with Sweden, um, for him qualifying for the tournament was equally as important to the women that booked the flights and the guys that washed the kit. So, you know, you would have it at camps, Slatan and Henrik Larsson sitting in the room with a cleaner and a woman that booked the travel because actually they were all part of the- <coughs> of actually getting to a tournament so so that for me was just a really amazing opportunity and I guess off the back of that um, I got a phone call I remember uh, one Friday night and Jim Fleeton phoned me and said look you do anything tomorrow um, and I said no so he asked me if I would go and watch a game I think it was Party Thistle Dunfermline and he asked if I would write a report on Dunfermline which I'd never ever done before um, so I looked some stuff up on the net I'd look at Championship Manager ironically actually some of the screens in Championship Manager so I went in and I wrote a report and I think I ended up doing like 20 slides, which was a lot of a report with video and everything in it. And I set it to Jim. And then on the Monday morning, Derek McInnes phoned me. And it was for Derek, basically. So Derek was looking for a match analyst at St. Johnston um, when we were in the first division. So I spent three years with Derek at St. Johnston, learned about Derek and Tony Dockett and how they ran a team, a club, um, how they coached. Uh, Liam was obviously there at that time as well, which is how I know probably Liam now as well. And then I spent a season with him when he went to Bristol City. Basically, I was looking around games in, in Scotland at play. So I was starting to understand what talent looked like, you know, what you were looking for in a play. It's not just about the skills and ability, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, and then following from that, I was given an opportunity as well to do something with Scott Booth. And again, all just through the pro license. So it's about your network and building your network. And Scott asked if I would do something with him. And I got asked to go to Italy um, within this 15s, the Scotland squad. So Ross McCrory was playing, who's at Rangers now, and Charlie Gilmer, who's now at um, Norwich. He was at Arsenal before. We played three games, Russia, Italy and Germany. But I remember the last game, the Russian game, and we played really well. An old guy came in. Um, he was our ambassador from the Scottish Schools Network. I think there were 20 players in the change rooms, and I think he bravely said to them at that age, out of this change room, two of you will make it. And that, these were Scotland internationals at under-15s. And what he was trying to articulate, I guess, was just the difficulty in getting on and the number of kids that will drop out. So, you know, done a lot of different things at a lot of different clubs that have stood me in good stead, which is probably why I accepted to come back at Berwick to this stage. Um, and I know Robert knows me a little bit more, obviously, than Stephen. Robert and I go wee back, a, a wee bit further back just friends that we've got that are mutual so um i just hope i can help the juniors kind of get better than they already are and it's not a position of arrogance it's just a position of help for me so yeah and so the club announced uh the partnership with juniors over the course of last week what does this entail and what are the main aims of it uh i'll go first and the guys can jump in i think for me yeah. I, yeah, ambition wise would be i would love to see the guys grow um you know, they'll tell you how many players they've got in a second. Um, we definitely love to see the coach education improve. And I think they've been brave enough to say it's probably one area that they could do with help on. And, you know, we start this week with Liam Craig on Wednesday night. We've got a Zoom at 7.30, which will be for all the coaches, but possibly some of the older players we've said. Um, I guess the better players we have, the better the coaching we have, maybe even more success than you've already had. So... You know, winning trophies is ultimately a really amazing thing at the same time as you know, making the kids enjoy it. But more success for the club in terms of that. And then ultimately, I guess, seeing somebody come through and you know, Stephen can probably talk about this a little bit more than, than the rest of us. But, you know, Stephen's got his own lad who plays, who was at the juniors, he's now at Dunbar. So I think that would be it. Growth in size, coach education improvement and then just see more and more success. I think from our side, it's, um, you know, from the, the, the juniors, obviously, we're kind of, long-standing and successful and it's you know we've now got an agreement between us that that actually you know there's there's kind of points on both sides where we can hold each other accountable um, and I think that's probably a key that we've actually got kind of a formal words and an agreement and a writing um, and that, that actually we can we can hold each other to account and and I know that kind of David and, and, and Craig have, have, have been really kind of supportive and, and actually um, you know in terms of already in the, in the time that they've been in the regular contact of Adel Zoom and, and, and kind of this kind of format's been great um, and and I think that's just the kind of the starting point um, I think for us really it's you know in terms of the agreement it's it's not going to be something that potentially bears a lot of fruit in the first few weeks or the first few months um, I think it's it's about kind of kind of changing attitudes and, and kind of culture um, and actually just that you know the whole kind of the kind of new direction that the the, the, the main team are going in with the, with the wider community um, kind of involvement is it just sits nicely with us. You know, we we we've got kind of um, kids from from all over the town at a variety of different levels that you know want to just come and enjoy playing football on the weekend. And as long as we've got the format to do that, whether it's through kind of facilities and pitches or, or coaches support, then you know, um, ultimately it's for the kids at the end of the day. And um, so the more kids we've got playing and enjoying it, the better it is for everybody. And if we can get somebody progressing through a pathway that, that ends up in the first team, then I think that's win-win for, for all parties. Yeah, yeah. and I think from uh, my point of view on that, if, um, Dave's only about his, play and his playing abilities. I'm probably even worse than Dave. So, 
the coach education thing is an important thing for me because I was never a footballer. I lived in the middle of nowhere, most of my life in the countryside. So I didn't get to school sport. I didn't get to sports clubs. So I basically got chucked into taking my son's team because there was nobody else to take it. And I've had to look out there for my coaching ideas. I've had to go and find the resources. And I've been fortunate. We've had a few courses with Newcastle United at their academy. So we've been doing with Peter Beardsley and we've had even Southgate came up and take a session one night as well. And you watch them guys and they inspire you a bit. So basically when we started talking about Dave and he said he could get these guys in and give us a bit of coach education, that impresses me because if we are better coaches, hopefully the players will be a bit better. I look back at taking my son's team initially and I've got to be honest, I could have done a much better job. And basically because I just don't, I didn't have the knowledge or the experience. And yeah, we had some success with the guys, but I think we could have been a little bit better. So It's, it's, it's funny, the, the dad thing. Um, <laughs> Curly, Curly's got that as well, I guess. But in it, yeah. Uh, in <laughs> it's, it's, it's the worst place in the world to be and the best. Um, I posted on, I think we won our first league title four years ago when Ben was... 14 or 15 so but I would probably be brave enough to say I probably ruined Ben's football um, I think I've said maybe something like this before Adam but you know being a coach being a dad it's, it's very difficult um, mm. and you probably always um, your son or your son always suffers the most so you're, you're two types of dad um, your kid's poor and you play them every week uh, or your kid's actually decent and when you've got too many players you put them on the bench um, and I think Ben had one season there before he stopped playing just now because of work in college, where I wasn't there and he loved it. He played every minute of every game <laughs> all season and he was grateful that I wasn't there. But And actually, as a dad going to watch him, it was just great watching him enjoy himself. So It is really tough, though, I think. And, you know, ultimately, you know, that's why I got back involved with the juniors. Um, you know, my, my son was going, uh, Daniel was going to um, the Thursday night sessions that, that, that kind of Stephen and Neil run that, that are kind of football for everybody at a young age. And, you know, him and his pals started going to the, the kind of Matty Moore thing on the Sunday morning. And, and before you know it, there's, there's five or six of them at the time who want to join the Glendale League. Um, and I think you're right, that I, I'm, you know, in terms of um, Daniel's involvement, you know, he's, he's there helping me set the goals up and the corner flags. And he's still there at the end, putting the nets away, even if it's been raining the whole time. And you do probably manage him slightly differently than you do the other kids because you're mindful of oh well that's a manager's son or you know just that kind of comment and, and I do think you probably are, are, are kind of harsher on your own kind of son almost a set an example sometimes as well so if the kids are mucking on at training it's normally him that gets the, the rollicking because he's your son and um, so it's, it's it's an interesting one and, and it kind of um, I'm obviously in the, the the kind of middle of my coaching period, you know, with, with kind of Daniel at the kind of is moving under 13, so um, he's still playing, so wasn't me doing too bad. <laughs> 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 Not seeking him <them> yet. <laughs> so it's been 18 years um, that since you first got involved with the with the junior, Stephen. Um, you mentioned there was it your son that was the initial reason behind you getting involved. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ever since he could walk, I mean, I've never been a footballer. I've never encouraged him to play football at a young age, you know. Uh, so as soon as he could walk, he had a football. Probably Rosie's, my wife's brother, is a fo big football fan. So Nottingham Forest and uh, try to brainwash him with that. So he would run about the house with the ball, break the ornaments, and that's all he ever did. And then he'd get to about five-year-old and there was Berwick Junior starter sessions with Sean Simpson at Prior Park School on a Saturday morning. So we took him along there and he just loved it for the minute he got there and 
he's just been football nuts since. So, so a couple of years there, and then he moved on to Jimmy and Panda's sort of Thursday night training, uh, which is the guys start there, and then basically they they get they head towards teams, they get put into teams at roughly the correct ages, and away they go. So, the two guys as well, Jimmy and Panda, also had an amazing knack making you feel like uh, that you would really love to volunteer and help the club. So before you knew it, my wife was a treasurer and I was suddenly the coach of a team, uh, which I'd never, ever done before. And you just kick on from there and just kind of get on with it. And then gradually, well, my wife's been the treasurer for the club for the same amount of time. And, well, I'd say work my way up to chairman. I've been moved up to chairman, uh, <laughs> which happened by accident a couple of times. And I, I just love it. I love watching the kids progress. Uh, yeah, I want to see that bit better at the top end of the club as well that we were on about before. I want to see that bit improve. And I know that's not going to be quickly. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the really big bit I'm looking for in the future for me, you know. What sort of responsibilities does a chairman have? I, be, I probably oversee all aspects of the club, as in poke my nose and everything. <laughs> uh, but I think we're really lucky. We'll have a great mix of people, skills and abilities on my committee. Uh, and, you know, the, you bring all them sort of pieces together to run the club. You know, we've got people that work in schools. We've got, you know, firemen, bank workers. We've, and I think, you know, we've pretty much, we can sort the problems out. We can deal with all the paperwork we've got today, the new legislation that gets put on us, everything like that. I think we bring a great mix to it. And I'm just there for balance. I see that as that's why I'm there. I'm just there to see all sides of an argument. And uh, I vote on very little because I'm the chairman. I don't get a vote. So, you know, when we're moving in a direction with the club, everybody will vote. And I have my fingers crossed that it's not a draw. So I don't have to cast a vote. You know what I mean? So uh, that's basically my job, you know, and I have to, you know, front up things, meet people sometimes, make the occasional speech. But really, really, I'm just a helpful person. I will help anyone from coaches to players to parents. Anyone that needs help, uh, that's me. I'm always at the end of the phone, you know. I think I think it can be at times a lonely place uh, as well because I think all three of us have probably I'm not saying lost friends, but we've all probably had moments being involved with clubs where sometimes the decisions you make are not necessarily the the right decision for an individual, whether that be a kid or a parent or something like that. And you know what you're trying to do is you're representing over a hundred kids, parents, et cetera, et cetera. And, and sometimes you can get kicked back and you, you can take it personally. Um, I know I do. I'm, I'm quite soft, but, um, and that really can grind a, a little bit with you. And I don't know how you feel about that, Stephen. You've probably been in situations as well, Robert, where it's been difficult. You've probably not made the right decision for an individual, but it's been the right one for the club. When I actually, when I, when I was asked to be the chairman, uh, the man that had previously been a chairman, Jimmy Purden, who'd been at the club for a long time, 20-odd years, his exact words to me were, he says, oh, you're going to be the chairman? I says, yeah. I says, they're wanting me to take the job up. He says, have you got any enemies in Berwick? I says, uh, no, I get along with everybody, Jimmy. He says, you will have. He says, just be careful. He says, you will have. And I would class myself like you. I'm a bit of a soft person. I'll help anyone. And, you know, not soft, soft, but, I, you know, I will do anything for anybody that needs a help because I know how difficult it is running a team, balancing your family life, your work, your other kids. My daughter hates football. My son's got a twin 
uh, and she hates football because we spent so much time with Kieran at football. You know, so I know how difficult it is and I'll help anyone with anything, you know. I don't go away to annoy people, but you kind of help it, like you say, at times you do drop people up the wrong way, you know. I think, though, you do, you do yourself a disservice because, you know, for me coming into the club, obviously, um, you know, I've, I've been involved now for, for kind of six seasons and you probably don't appreciate how much it takes to do it in terms of the time commitment and, and actually the stress level. So, you know, yourself and Rosie, since I joined as a, as a coach, have, have been nothing short of phenomenal. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of, it's not just a case of kind of organising the players and, and away you go on a, on a match day. You know, there's there's the whole, you know, the, the kind of right through from the safeguarding and the first aid aspects through to the kind of finances and, and, the, and the registration fees and the sponsorship that all comes with running the juniors. But but also just even as, as things evolve. So if you, if, you look, if you look at the moment, I mean, we've got a call this evening looking at how we can start training up safely again with some of the COVID stuff. You know, that, that kind of stuff, you know, kind of sometimes goes unnoticed. But actually, there's a lot of thought, effort, and 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 kind of um, time spent getting getting these things right. Um, so you know, and, and kind of certainly Stephen and Rosie and, and Sean and the wider committee kind of you know sacrifice hours of their own time behind the scenes that that isn't just a case of dropping the kids off and letting them play football. Um, which sometimes I think people involved in football who have been involved in other type of things, you know, like the scouts or, or whatever, kind of get a sense of of what's involved. But but a lot of the time, people don't. And I think that actually, you know, on, on a kind of standard weekend, you know, you, you can sacrifice seven, eight, eight hours easily without, without striking a bat, um, mm. you know, arranging referees and pitches and things like that. But certainly since I've been at the club, you know, if it wasn't for people like Stephen um, that, that kind of sets the committee, sets their infrastructure, then it'd be really difficult to, to, to not only to kind of run the team, but to, to run the team correctly. Um, you know, we've got so many different aspects that we need to consider when, 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 um, when, you, when you're progressing that, you know, guys like Stephen are worth the weight in gold. That, that's pretty much the role of a chairman, Adam. That's pretty And you kind of probably would think, um, well, what, what more can we give at a club? But I think it's going to be the stuff around the edges probably that, you know, these guys can run a pretty tight ship the way that they do it already. But... You know, if it's exper- ex- you know, if it's experience, ex- as we said, around coach education and just accessing the network of people that I can get and other things like that, fantastic. But if it's even things like, for example, you know, we've seen how impressive our social media has been, um, you know, the marketing and the branding and stuff like that. If that kind of stuff is going to help the guys with this stuff, then fantastic. Because the more professional they look, and they already look professional, but the more professional they look, the more people are likely to knock on the door and want to come. Maybe the more likely sponsors are, maybe want to give them money, et cetera, et cetera. So... It's probably all the stuff around the edges that just makes them the full package where we're going to help them. We're not, we're not here, as they would say, you know, it's not like your granny telling you how to suck eggs type thing. It's like they know what they're doing um, and they've been very receptive to you know, people like me and Craig coming in saying, There's maybe a, you could maybe think about that or you can maybe look at this. So it's really fine-tuning. It's not redesign or you know, reimagining type things. How would you like to be in with a chance of winning £1,000 every month? If that sounds appealing to you, because it sure does to me, you need to join Berwick Rangers Supporters Club's monthly draw. For just £5 per month, you'll go into a draw with hundreds of other Dream Team supporters to win the monthly jackpot. In addition to the £1,000 prize, the Supporters Club will be donating £250 each month to a chosen local charity, with the rest of the profits from the draw going to the football club. For details on how to sign up, visit berwickrangers.com or message the supporters organisation on Facebook. 
Berwick Ranger Supporters Club or on Twitter at BRFC Sup Club. Berwick Ranger Supporters Club, supporting your club and your community. So over the 18 years, what were the sort of main changes that you've seen over that time, both specific to Berwick Juniors and in youth football as a collective? Uh, for me, when I started off, it's rules and regulations. It's, it's legislation on you know clubs, coaching youngsters. I mean, it's coaching barges, it's first aid, it's you know criminal records checks, it's health and safety, it's risk assessments. You know, the list of that sort of thing goes on and on. When I first came along, I didn't have a single qualification. You know, I was sort of given a group of boys, you know, my son was in a team. It was a sort of mix of ages and the younger guys dropped down in age to play just how it suited the leagues. And that left nobody to coach your team. And the parents just kind of looked at us and went, oh, Stephen, you'll take it. You know I mean? You'll do it, wouldn't you? And you didn't like to say no. So you, you take it and I had nothing. So when we first started out, you didn't have to really have anything, but I had, one of the mothers was a, she works in the school, uh, Carla, she had a first aid qualification, so she was my first aider, and that was it, and then I had to work towards coaching badges and things like that, and that has moved on and on and on, you know, you didn't used to have any qualifications, you just took a group of lads and away you went. Another thing for the club as well is, you know, we, we would all have the same, uh, with the same colours on, would be black and gold strips, but there'd be all makes, there'd be Adidas, Nike, whatever got bought. So we've we've moved that on in leaps and bounds as well. We've we've all got the same tracksuits now. We've all got the same strip on. Uh, the strips for the first time ever have all been sponsored by MSP and Simpsons Mall. So that's a huge thing for us as well because all the kids look exactly the same now. And you see the stuff all over Berwick, and it looks great to have everybody in the same stuff. So I think that's made us more professional as well. And you know, big thanks to those guys for doing that. You know, uh, so. That's the the football. I think is pretty similar to how it's always been. You know, you go on the way to the same pitches that guys went to twenty years ago, uh, and they ain't improved a lot, to be honest with you, at the low <laughs> level. Uh, but it's everything else around the club that's improving, and I think the tie-up with Berwick will help that as well. You know, Great. what what some of your memorable moments been from them, from your time? You have some tough times when you're playing football. You know, when you're away, uh, things happen at games, and it's 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 angry and annoying at the time. But when you you look back and you look back at it, and sometimes reminisce with some of the boys. They're now 23 years old for the first team or two, and we actually laugh about it now. And I used to say that to them when they were 12, 13, 14, 15 year old. I says, "We'll look back on this day and we'll laugh in a few years' time about it." But at the time, it was serious. So. There are some some of the memorable moments have not always been the nicest moments, uh, but it's it's winning things, it's the camaraderie, it's the friendships, it's we we'll always say it's not all about winning, but it is about winning as well because if you're not winning, people are miserable and you want to see the kids happy. Yeah. You know, uh, just training with them, uh, going away to Zewaldi to Holland. I mean, we have an exchange with that club, and that is one of the greatest things that the kids ever did in their life. Every, even Ramage. I mean, Peter yeah. Ramage sent us a, new, a signed Newcastle shirt a few years ago and he wrote some nice words in it to take to the guys in Holland and he, he said it's one of the best times he's ever had in football. You know, and that's a guy that's had a big career. So uh, I had the same, obviously. I talked to Jordan and, and Peter last week um, mm-hmm. and then I had a load of messages this week um, yeah. just from people that had listened to the podcast and were like, I went, I went as part of that. It was great. Like, it was... Uh, Great experience, all that sort of stuff. So it's yeah. the thing that sticks with them, isn't it? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I went as a kid as well, and uh, as I saw Stephen shared uh, some of the throwback photos. I, I don't know where my fringe has gone, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but, but but I think you're right. It, it's the friendships you make, and, and and a lot of the time, I think certainly my, my first trip um, was probably one of the first times you were about your parents or or a teacher. You know, you've maybe been on a school trip, but you you probably never had the kind of the, the kind of trip away, and 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 the kind of friendships you make kind of last and stand the test of time. You know, some of the guys that I was kind of away with then you still kind of speak to regularly now and socialize with now and, and I think it's you know that, that that's kind of a number of years later and um, so I, I think it's definitely one of the plus points of, of what, what we, we do as a club and, and the fact that it's it stood the test of time and the longevity you know from, from the from the exchange being established all those kind of years ago to, to still run now I think is testament to it and, and everybody that's been involved in it over the years and um, disappointing obviously we had to cancel this year we were due there a couple of weeks ago. I think uh, Rami touched on that. Um, yeah. One of his relatives was maybe going, but um, you know that's just the, the sign of the times that we're in. But but we're already kind of taking steps to kind of sort out for next year and and kind of um, and get that up and running as well. So um, yeah, it's it's just it's just a fantastic thing, and it's just a great experience for the kids involved. And I, th- I think that trip as well this this season, just to give a lot of flavour of it, that that was probably started in the planning back October time last year. Yeah. Yeah. So that you know, ferries, buses were booked. Then we started paperwork around about sort of December time, November, December time. Did they fill in group passports and all the rest of it? And people put a lot of time and effort into that, and it all came to nothing. You know, so you know <laughs> there was a lot of people's work uh, kind of wasted, as well as disappointing a load of kids. You know, so that's the trials and tribulations of youth football, isn't it? Yeah, we we had uh, Scott Booth come out of us to go to Portugal at the end. Uh, June, so we had three girls squads going to Portugal to play in a cup and likewise uh, try to get the money off the kids for the flight, try to get the money off the kids for the deposit, which hopefully we'll all get back because um, obviously the, the airlines are now, have now cancelled the flights. Yeah, it's all great going to a, a, an international tri- on an international trip in an international competition, but the pressure that adds on the coaches and the, and the parents, it's just phenomenal. So. I saw, Stephen, you, you took teams over to Spain as well. I didn't actually take them. That, that was basically what we, we were listing. Uh, this, what, basically, that was a, well, one of our players uh, was a, before Darlington went bankrupt. They used to do a development centre on a Monday night, a bit like Newcastle's United and things like that. And quite a, few, quite a lot of our players actually got into that development centre at the time. So basically what you were today was work your way through it each year and there was be a scholarship for one person at the end of it basically to go to Darlington. Unfortunately, uh, Darlington went bankrupt and it came to an end. But what they did do was they went to the MIC tournament in Spain. And if you look, I mean, you can look that up on you know, the internet there and look at all the players that have been there. The world's greatest footballers go and play in that tournament. And it's one of the best in the world. Yeah. So one of our players, you know, rocked up, went there, took part in the tournament, had the time of his life. Uh, same thing, a couple of guys went from Darlington to Umia in Sweden, played in that tournament, you know, Barcelona youth teams were there. So opportunities for playing football around Berwick are, are there. You need to work hard, dedication, be lucky like Peter was and many other guys. And just have a good game on the right day and you never know where it takes you, you know. It is a bit of a fallacy about football in the town and that. I mean, you know, I think Curly, Curly's Highfields. I was Spittle. I was Highfields for a period. Then I was Spittle and Highfields together. Became better. So was I. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's always been a heritage in the town for pretty famous clubs, and you know, every single one of those committee guys, whether it be you know people like Rick Sonat at the Harrow or Kim Dixon at the Juniors, 
uh, Tumuth, sorry, Tumuth Rangers, whatever, Steve Ruff, Eric Spittle, all these guys work incredibly hard for the teams and you're never going to get, I think our ambition and vision a few years ago was one badge, you know, for the whole town and like as a Waldy, for example, where that is kind of like how it works and they all club together and all the players are created to lots of footfall, which means big investment and they get the facilities. It's never going to happen in the UK. It's never going to happen in Berwick. But, so what you have to do is try and kind of match up some of the relationships and just work a little bit better together in that. And I guess our goal really is to make sure that the three pitches at Ivinson, Old Shieldfield and Shieldfield are used as much as we possibly can. And obviously we had a wee bit of a win last week with the money that we got for the pitch repairs and that. But, you know, you show people, we had, we had a call actually last week with Kettering United, the chairman, Richie June, and a guy in America. So, and then just... Flickly on Zoom, I thought, I'll show, I don't even know what our facilities look like. So I showed them pictures of Ivinson, uh, aerial shots of Ivinson, Shieldfield and Old Shieldfield. They couldn't believe how much green space we had within a thousand metres of, of each other. You know, so as a complex, as a sports centre or a football theatre type thing, it, it could be fantastic. It could be amazing. So, you know, and these are the kind of things that I think that, you know, hopefully us working together will, will be able to make better. Great, yeah. So, Curly, for yourself, you'd said that you'd spent six years with juniors. Um, it was your, your son that got you back involved um, with that. What was your involvement with football prior to that? So, I played as a junior, um, badly in some cases, but played as a junior. <laughs> um, and then our junior team at the time uh, rolled into the North Northumberland League. Um, called ourselves Barry Kay. We brought in kind of two or three more experienced players, but primarily it was the nucleus of our under-16 team. Um, so I had a few seasons there. Um, just that kind of came to a natural conclusion. I, I ended up going to play for kind of Noel Evans, the Spittle's second team as it was at the time. So um, had a few seasons. Loved playing for Noel. Um, great guy, great, great footballer. Um, and, and had some good times there. And just for a period of time... Um, but the kind of football in the town started to kind of fade away. So, you know, when I, when I first went to Spittle as part of that, that kind of second team setup, that they had the kind of first team playing in the kind of Alliance Premier. We were kind of North Northumberland League One. Um, and just over that kind of period of time, players left and moved on and, and it became one team. And then the last season there, it was kind of, you know, struggling, struggling to put a team together. And at the time, kind of Highfields were in the same position in the town. Um, and we ended up merging the two of them together. Um, can't remember. So I was probably about 05 um, where it kind of came together and and we're called Berwick United, and and ultimately played uh, um, there for a, for for a kind of number of seasons. So um, under kind of Ian Knox initially, which was um, which was great. Michael Galloway was involved in it for a period of time, um, and and we had a fair degree of success. Kind of. Some good young lads coming through that are still playing football in the town now. People like Woodsar and kind of Michael Robinson. These guys were all kind of coming through, and um, uh, so I had it kind of kind of decent spell. And just over time, as as we alluded to earlier on the call, kind of travelling every week, you know, in the Northern Lions when you're going to kind of Carlisle and Penrith and and Merton and and, and different areas in Newcastle becomes quite draining as people as the team became older and family commitments start to kick in and, and it kind of fell away. Um, and and it was kind of reborn as kind of Highfields again and revived as Highfields probably in and around the time um, just as kind of kind of Spittle started to to kind of kick on again and, and, and be set up again. But but actually you know during during that kind of phase when we merged together, kind of football in the town was kind of struggling a little bit. Whereas at the minute I think it's it's kind of on the way back up again. You know with, with teams like kind of the Harrow and Two Rangers and 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 Spittle are, are looking at a second team and kind of. Highfields have got decent numbers, and it's it's good to see. 
Um, so that's been my involvement. Um, kind of uh, kind of legs went and uh, um, and and you kind of stop kind of playing or, or kind of start trying to play for the over thirty fives now and again, which. Dave was lucky enough to witness a few weeks ago. It's not pretty. Yeah, you did all right. Yeah, it's not pretty. Um, but uh, but so you, you kind of you know and, and you, you kind of move on. And I still help with, with kind of high fields on, on a running on a match day um, and the training. A kind of assistant manager there for working for kind of David Wakenshaw. That's kind of long-standing stalwart of high fields, if you like. And um, but obviously now with the kids and the juniors, that, that kind of takes up a, a fair proportion of my time in terms of training and match days. But um, so yeah, my involvement with the juniors, kind of uh, football in general, has just kind of evolved as the as the kind of. But but the main thing is obviously with, with my son getting involved in it. Um, you know that was that was what really brought me back into to kind of the coaching side of the of the juniors. And it's funny how it evolves. You know, I, I was looking back just at some of the old photos, and you know we had kind of five lads at a, a kind of at the Glendale League. Kind of strips didn't fit. They they kind of they're all kind of. Tiny to look at, and, and it's just funny that you know that they're turning into young men, and it's really interesting to see them evolve. You know, if the kind of you know the original five that was kind of twenty four in my squad last uh, well this season, so um, and so that's just been how that's evolved over over the kind of time I've been at the club. You know, they, they kind of move schools, and then the next thing you've got another power wants to come, and then another power wants to come, and then you realise you've got too many for one team, and so we now got Saturdays and Sundays. Um, just to give the guys football, but it's they're turning into men, you know, they're slowly but surely, and it's you don't realize it because you see them all the time. But when you look back at some of the throwback photos, you think, God, that you know, some of them are getting to my height, um, which is which is which is quite uh, alarming given that they're only 13 or 12. Um, but um, but it's, it's really good to see them evolve, and 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 you know, from my side, it's, it's probably the best bit is seeing the kids getting better and better every week. So that's kind of been my footballing journey. Is that something that you need to be mindful of, like sort of people development as well as football development? You kind of have to be, I think. I think there's a, there's a bit of it. I think you know, when you, if you, I was asked kind of how how the view me. I think in the profiles we did lately, and it's probably strict. Um, you know, at times you, you do you do need to, to provide a structure or discipline, particularly with the, the number of kids that, that we've got playing in in, in, in my age group. Um, I'm very I'm very lucky. I've, I've got kind of. Five guys that we've got kind of qualified, um, and you know Neil Parker, uh, Graham Ambrose, Brian, uh, Craig, and Ricky that, that have all gone through their qualification. So I've got a decent network behind us because without that, my age group, would, you know, it's just too much for one person to do. But but actually, it's it's from you know from the the training perspective, from the structure, from the from the safeguarding angles, you you need that kind of support to to to, to run a team. But it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's it, it, it has its challenges. It's safe to say. <laughs> it's funny though. It's it's a good question, Adam. Um, I, I, like we all love football, but I think that it's more important that they turn into just good young guys and good young girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, sitting back in that change rooms in Italy after you know beating Russia, two out of eighteen, we're going to make it. You know, so said nicely, most of them are not going to be professional football players. So. And, and that's the thing, you know, Curly for his lad and, you know, Kieran for Stephen and Rosie, you, you just want them, they work hard all week. They'll have jobs at some stage. And the fact that they'll go out and train two nights a week and just play with their mates on a, a Saturday is really, really quite important, you know. And when they get their first house, they might ask one of their mates, like Michael Lee, to come and do some woodwork or, you know, someone else to come and do some uh, plumbing and that. It, socially, it's just a really important thing that they keep playing. And I think that's... It's funny, actually, the time that we merged Scotland Highfields and, and Curly was around, 
I do see that football in the town has kicked up again because there probably was a period where all the teams were struggling and people just simply fell out of love with it. Um, so I think our job is absolutely about making these better young people and just making sure they've got the skills. And, and if most of them are not going to be football players, let's get the next generation of coaches up and running. Let's get some, you know, one of the things we did when I was at um, St. Genta was Ben's age. Um, as soon as they were, I think it's, I think you have to be 17 in Scotland. But they were PVG'd, all of them. My squad were PVG'd, all of them, 18 of them. And they were all put through the 1.1 and 1.2 in Scotland. And instantly we had 18 young coaches that could go take younger kids. So it's maybe starting to try and remove the reliance on a, a Stephen Ingram or Robert Curl or a Sean Jackson and try and get some of the younger ones coming through that can maybe do some of the younger t- kids' teams. Because just because it's just Berwick Rangers juniors doesn't mean say the wee ones might look up to the older ones and they become role models and heroes. So... Um, but yeah, I think the people development thing's massive. The commitment you get with kids turning up, you know, even just getting that kind of commitment for the, they'll come training once a week and they'll come at the match days, you know, that just gets them in a routine and I, and I think that's important, you know, and I sit here with, with, with two kids probably sat on their Xbox right now, it's, um, you know, it'd be very easy to, to, to kind of slip into that routine, particularly if the, you know, on a, on a December's morning when the rain's coming down, but, you know, the, the vast majority of kids don't let you down. You know, they, they, they turn up regardless and, and commit to it. And, um, you, know, you know, it's not the greatest standing in, in the kind of, in the sleet and the snow watching, watching the kids play. But you know what, it, it, you know, the fact that kids are, are willing to kind of turn up and, and, and come and do that is, is, is you know, as part of their personal development as well. I'm quite sure there's a, a number of mornings it's, it's driven by the parents kicking them out of bed. Um, but, but, but the reality of it is it's a good discipline, you know, and it, and it, and it, and it kind of sets them on their way in terms of developing as people. And I think something as well, for as we're saying about coaches and uh, developing people, you know, we're, a, we're not an elite academy. And, you know, we all know that. We're realistic. So, you know, it's not just about winning for us. And, you know, a lot of these guys are not going to be footballers at the end of it. But I hope, as the chairman of the club, that they enjoy their journey through football till they get to an adult age and they'll go on about their business and they'll set up businesses, get wives, get married, get kids. And I'd like to think we've maybe showing them the right way in a few uh, situations as they go through their life that they maybe have learned more than just football skills, you know. So and I think that's important for us to realise as coaches as well. We're not an elite academy, you know. Uh, and I think our guys realise that as well. It's Curly, I've still got a couple of questions left for, for yourself. Go on. <laughs> so uh, first, um, what's been your favourite memory from being involved with the, the juniors? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think... Uh, I mean, as we touched on earlier, my, my personal favourite memory would, would be from when I played, you know, going to Holland, I think, as we've already covered at length. So um, that, 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 that's probably the starting point. But in terms of since I've come back in, um, we, we had a degree of success um, a couple of seasons ago that saw us get promoted multiple times in, in quick succession. Um, and, and we got to a cup final that year. Now, we got beaten in the, in the cup final, um, but we were lucky enough to kind of go on and and kind of win the division we're in. And, and you know, I think the, the sense of pride that that, that, that gave the kids was, was great to see. Um, but actually, you know, because I've got the, the kind of the two different teams, I think that the thing I enjoy the most is, is really just seeing them coming on. You know, and I think in, in terms of, um, you know, when you, when you look at when we have like our end of season do, you don't realise how many people it impacts until we're all trying to get another black and gold on a <laughs> on a, on presentation day and, and 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 it's I think for me I probably when I first came into the club I probably hadn't appreciated 
how how much scale we had. You know, when you come in, you, you've got your kind of little five-a-side team and a few of the parents helping you. And you probably don't really realise until you see them all at the presentation day where everybody's got their white shirts and their, and their beret ties on and, and um, everybody's turned out smart. And, you know, we're all trying to cram in the black and gold. And you think to yourself, it's just there's so many different people impacted. And, and I think in terms of enjoyment, you, you know, when you see some of the, the kids getting their trophies and things and, you know, we've had kind of Berwick managers and players presenting, you know, the pride that it gives them and the sense of achievement um, is huge. And, you know, and and even the kids that maybe have been unsuccessful in terms of some of the awards, you know, I tend to get them kind of a little token, a mental trophy for the, for the season and the pride they get going and, you know, shaking kind of the Berwick manager's hand or, or player's hand, it, you know, it, it just gives you that sense of pride and achievement that that's job done for another year kind of thing. So I think that, that's the bit I enjoy the most is just seeing that kind of, um, that kind of player evolution and, and the fact that you get the kind of smile on the face and they're all chuffed and, and, and buzzing with each other, I think is, is, is great to see. It's the simple things. I mean, it's like, um, it's a product, Adam. I mean, what what the guys offer is a product and you know we've talked a lot about the Better Rangers product the last sort of few months. You've been involved in it and we've tried to turn that round and you know, all the different things. I mean, the playing the football on the Saturday and the Sunday shouldn't be underestimated. That's the fun part. But it is like the product. It's like, you know, that it's funny that you, it resonated there, Kelly, when you were talking about the Play of the Year Awards. There's nothing better than a, than a committee member walking in and the balloons are on the tables and the kids come in. And I don't know if you guys wear shirts and ties. Um, yeah, but you just walk in and you think, you know what, see all that hassle I've had all season. And I got moaned at because I called a pitch off and... I had to let a player go because it was a poor behaviour moment and stuff like that. When you walk in there, it just makes it all worthwhile. And, and you know, that, that's why we were keen to get this sorted out. And as, you know, Stephen and Robert know, as is Jacka, but Kelly, uh, Craig and I wanted this right from the beginning. Uh, but we had to probably prove ourselves in the last three or four months in terms of what we were trying to do. So, Yeah, you mentioned um, a couple of times during the, the presentation yesterday about the sort of board being on trial at the moment. What do you mean by that? Um, well, I was born in Berwick, uh, in Castle Hills, so I know what it's like to live in Berwick, and I know what people in Berwick are like, um, and uh, I know what people will be thinking about, here we go again, it's just another Berwick Rangers moment, some waffle on social media. So I think we have to deliver on what we've agreed in the, in the letter, the contract, the agreement, which the guys at the Juniors helped us co-create. We didn't write that ourselves. Um, and then just bit by bit, um, we'll start to win people back over. And that's not just with the juniors, that's with people in general in the town. And when I look at the people who've been putting money in to donate a ticket, you know, lapsed Berwick Rangers fans who've never been for years and years and years, it's it's a little bit to the same extent with the juniors. We we need to deliver coach education. We need to give them access to our pitches. We need to help them get even, even more professional than they already are. So, um, you know, you get this constant thing about no Berwick person being in the Berwick Rangers team. Um, and the, there are boys in the town that are good enough, full stop, end of. And for some reason or another, we've failed to kind of recognise that. So we just have to try and create as many opportunities as we can, Adam, just to prove that we are actually listening. And I think one thing that we've been commended on since January is we've been very transparent with every comms. You know, we have a board meeting on a Thursday and it's out by Friday morning. You know, we did yesterday and it was published today and we're already getting, Michael Deans has just sent me a message as we were speaking just because he's just had a chance to watch it back. So so when I say we're on trial, it's more about, you know, we do what we say and we don't just kind of waffle it. Um, and, you know, whether it be um, the community day, 
where Stephen and Curly and the coaches and the parents helped us out a little bit more. Okay, it was cold. Um, and we've had the, the ball boys and the ball girls still coming and they helped us out at the, the Glasgow City game when we played Pontyland. It's just little things like that that we just need to keep delivering on. And look, if you deliver lots of little things, then you get the good ball back. So, I think on that as well, well Dave will say, I don't know, it wasn't brutal with him, but like, you know, when we first started talking about all this, this stuff, I was pretty clear with him that if things that were agreed on didn't get delivered, that would be noise. Not for me. No, nah, you weren't brutal, Stephen. Let's just have it said. Well, no, <laughs> you know, I was just being honest with him. You know, you know in, probably in the past, there's been possibly times when we've maybe been going to get closer together in the past and it's all fell apart. And look, no, this was long before I was here and even when I was here previously. And it's always frittered away and came to nothing. So this time, you know, the guys are genuine to me. I don't think they're telling us any lies. They're being open and honest, and they're doing that with the whole of the workings of the club at the minute, as far as I can see. There's, there's nothing being hidden. It's all open and honest. And so, I, I, you know, I did say to Davis, says, you know, Davis, says, I'm the chairman at the minute, and if we agree to work together on some things and it doesn't come off for your end, I'm going to get a kicking. Never mind Barrett Rangers. Yeah. And there'll be people in the town who will happily give me a kicking if I don't, if, it's, if it doesn't go well, you know. But I think the guys are genuine and I think they're honest. And I think with the start of the foundation and that, it will be a big thing for Berwick and it will build into a much bigger thing in the years to come as well. So I'm hopeful and I'm, you know, I'm happy with the way it's going. You know, How do you see the, the new partnership working with Berwick? So I know we've, we've sort of already covered it, um, but what is, what is it you can see sort of going into the, the future? <sighs> for me, for the chairman of the club, I just think... For the parents and the kids to see that closer uh, connection between the two clubs will be a benefit. Uh, I think the coach education thing is a big thing for our coaches. It will inspire the coaches. Every time I've been to a big coaching event, to Southgate or a Beardsley or whoever, somebody who's top-notch at what he does, it inspires you for a while. Because it is a slog, as the guys have said before, and sometimes it weighs you down, you're busy at work. It inspires you on again. So... A little bit of that will inspire the coaches. You inspire the coaches, you'll inspire the players. I hope the players are going to be a little bit better. Yes, I have this thing about a Berwick player being on the pitch. It's a big thing for me as well, a really big thing. And if you asked us about, you know, what are some of the proudest moments for Berwick juniors in the near past, it's a Regan Graham, it's a Kieran Ainsley, it's a Kieran Ingram, it's a Gary Windrum playing for the first team. That, you know, some folk will go, oh, promotion season, this, that, or the other. For me, it's not... You know, uh, Kieran Ainsley helped me for the last two seasons taking my son's first team, 16 and 17-year-old. And the guy's doing a top-notch job at Coldstream now, and he's been a good player. And when he pulled that shirt on and got photographed for Berwick and played in the park, that was a proud moment for me. You know, that's what I want to see more of, you know. So we need to do a better job with the kids. Berwick need a better job at the, the top end where we join them. And I think it's achievable, you know. And the rest of the guys in the club will enjoy themselves, go into their work, get married, get on with their lives and look back and say they enjoyed the time at the juniors. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, the coach education thing starting on Wednesday. Um, yeah. Liam's actually excited, massively excited about it. He's never done it before. Um, he's currently doing his A licence at the moment. Um, he knows that's at the stage of career where he's at. For him, it's provided him an opportunity to come and speak to people and, and share his story and share his kind of view of what it's like to be a coach. Um, 
And instantly, because he's the PFA chairman at the minute, he's got a network as long as our arms in terms of players that want to do it. So, you know, he's talked about um, David Gray, the Hibs captain, Christoph Berra. This is all something that they need to learn. They need to be able to speak to people. You know, so once a month, if not more, you know, running Zoom sessions with coaches, try to explain to them how you set up a team or what you do at your training or how you get a bit of atmosphere in the changing room. Great. Um, and to be honest, whilst it wasn't initially for the players, I think when I dropped the note to the guys today, it's like, you know what, get some of the younger kids on because you're going to hear from a professional football player who, you know, he's played at the highest level since he left the juniors all those years ago. So um, quite excited, actually, to be honest, to see how that goes on Wednesday night. Yeah, we've had Liam a couple of times as well at our presentations. Uh, he's, he's came down and handed the trophies out to the kids as well. Uh, you know, so he's gave a bit back to us already. And, uh, you know, it's going to be good to hear him talk. Excellent. Um, well, thank you very much, everyone. That was as much as I had in terms of questions. Do you have anything that you sort of want to ask each other or anything else that you want to cover? I'm fine. I think we're, we're regularly speaking to, to, to David and Craig now anyway. So in terms of the, the, this kind of tie and partnership, it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's the kind of the right path, the right direction for, 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 for both the, the juniors and, and the senior team. And um, yeah, we just hope it's as successful as we all wish and hope it to be. I think my thing as well is I'd just like to, you know, guys from our club will listen to this. I'd just like to thank the coaches, you know, the parents that put the effort in up and down the road every week to Newcastle, round trips, 100 odd mile every other weekend. Uh, the kids themselves are putting the effort and the time. All guys on the committee, you know, Sean, my uh, secretary, the amount of work he does sitting in front of a keyboard would bore me to death. You know what I mean? Uh, I take my hat off to him. You know, like I say, the, the people that organised this year's Dutch trip, Carla, you know, all your hard work went to, went to pieces, but, you know, it's really appreciated and we'll go again next year and just everyone else on the committee, you know, you guys do a great job. A lot of people thank me and they say, oh, Stephen, you do a great job. I quite often pick up a phone and pass it on to somebody else and they do the job and I get thanks for it, you know. So thanks to all the guys. You know, everybody working together makes it what it is, you know. Thank you very much to our guests today, Robert Curl, Stephen Ingram and Dave Buglis. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Let Be RFC podcast. We'll be talking to Dennis McCleary about his favourite 1-11 of Barrett Rangers history. If you've enjoyed the episode today, please be sure to share it with your friends, family and followers. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week and we'll speak soon.